Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. The woke madness in history education is off the rails. Well, how do we change it? McClanahanAcademy.com. And because you listen to this podcast, if you use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout, you get 25% off every day, all day, 365 days a year on every class at McClanahanAcademy.com. So go to McClanahanAcademy.com, use coupon code PODCAST at checkout, and get a real history education at 25% off. Inflation is your fault if you believe that American foreign policy is wrong. That's your problem. And if you think Donald Trump didn't engage in insurrection, you're Jefferson Davis. You see, this is the real issue with 2023 and going into 2024. It's all about you. I'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. Support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. Always free to enroll. Get that free class, 10 Myths of American History, when you do enroll. And of course, once you're on that email list, you get all kinds of cool stuff like coupons for McClanahan Academy classes. They make great gifts. If you're interested in any kind of gifts for Christmas, give them a McClanahan Academy class or perhaps my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. Just go to the shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com or you can uh, buy one of my books right? Uh, one of my books make a great gift. So all of those things are a great way to give somebody the McClanahan Academy or McClanahan Show fan in your life a gift. And of course, those things all help keep this podcast free of charge. But you can painlessly support the show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast so people know you love it. Share it around on social media. Give it a five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can. And comment on YouTube for the algorithm. Helps boost the views. I do like to see what you want to hear, by the way. I mean, I want to see these show requests. And I'm going to kind of cover a couple of them today. People have sent me these things to talk about. Um, and I'm going to wrap them all into, into one show. There's three things going on here. So if you listen to the left very carefully, if you listen to the other side, not just the left, but just nationalists, progressives, et cetera, et cetera. If you listen to these people carefully, the real problem in America is always you, because you don't buy into the narrative. And what I mean by that is pretty simple. If you don't believe in the American empire, you're a problem. If you don't believe in unlimited federal spending or unlimited federal power, you're a problem. If you somehow don't believe in any of these things. You miraculously have gone through K through 12 education and a four-year college degree by being indoctrinated. If somehow you come out of all of that, or maybe you never went to college and you've come out of all of that and you believe in think locally, act locally, real federalism, these kind of things, you're just Jefferson Davis. If you believe that Congress has limitations on his power, the presidency has limitations on his power, you're just Jefferson Davis. You're just a neo-confederate. You see, it's the name game. All of these people want to engage in name-calling. 
It's never their policies that are a problem. It's never their beliefs that are a problem. It's never the things that they've done are a problem. No, because they are pure and innocent and can't do anything wrong. The real problem is always you. So, these people have no responsibility, no accountability. This is something that people have mentioned before. There's no accountability. It's not that they're hypocrites. They're unaccountable. No one holds them accountable for all the things that they do. If you point out that Lincoln was perhaps a war criminal by violating his own Libra code, well, that just makes you a neo-Confederate. But there's no accountability. It's all Jefferson Davis's fault. It's all the South's fault. You see? And there's a couple of pieces, one at The Atlantic and one at LewRockwell.com, that highlight this. And of course, then I'll, I'll reference this Jefferson Davis issue because I've covered it several times, and there's a really long piece of the New Yorker, uh, New York Magazine by Jill Lepore about this. I'm not going to cover that piece because it would take me probably three shows to get through. Where she essentially says, you know, if, if you believe that Donald Trump uh, should still be president of the United States, well, then you believe in Jefferson Davis. Now, Jefferson Davis is the boogeyman for American history, just as much as John C. Calhoun. Those two men together become the boogeyman for the left. I mean, if you, oh, 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 you're just Jefferson Davis. You're just John C. Calhoun. Well, both men had some valuable things to offer for America. Uh, but uh, the fact is that we have uh, just completely uh, just gone away to say these men are evil. They're the personification of evil. They're the American Hitlers, whatever you want to call them. And therefore, they should just be ignored entirely. And if you think that they said anything that was valuable, well, you're just a neo-Confederate awful person. There's no substance to it at all. And a lot of times what historians do is they, they drop statements and they pass it off for being just, I mean, this is consensus. This is what it is. But we know that there is a lot of complexity to history. And Davis was a complex person. John C. Calhoun was a complex person. The things that they advocated were complex. They're not simple. And because of that, I think a lot of people can't really understand them. So, but let's get into this first part. If you, if you don't like inflation, it's your fault. There's an article at The Atlantic. It's a short piece uh, written by Annie Lowry. And inflation is your fault. You would think, she says, with high prices as high as they are, or prices as high as they are, I'm sorry, that Americans would have tempered their enthusiasm for shopping of late, that they would have pulled back spending on luxury items, that they would have sought out budget and basic options, bought smaller packages, fewer things. You would think with prices like that, these people would stop shopping because you know what's happening? If you keep buying the stuff, prices keep going up. You just, you accept inflation because in their mind, the real issue of inflation is consumer spending. And if you validate companies charging more for stuff, well, then they're going to keep charging more for stuff. If you didn't buy things, they would lower prices because that's what's driving inflation, companies. It's your fault for spending money. So it's your fault for being charitable. It's your fault for buying toys for your kids. It's your fault for going to the darn grocery store. Why do you do it? Why don't you just eat less? Why do you do that? That's not what's happened. Consumer spending rose 0.2% after accounting for higher prices in October, the most recent month for which government has data. 
Online shopping jumped 7.8% over the Thanksgiving long weekend, more than analysts had anticipated. The sales of new cars, dishwashers, cruise vacations, jewelry, all things people tend to give up when they are watching their budget remain strong. Consultants keep anticipating a recession precipitated by the death of the consumer. Thus far, the consumer is staying alive. All these things, it is, it is you know, Christmas time. And people are going to try to be generous. Now, the question is, has all of this stuff been fueled by debt? Are people going, look, a new car is a debt item. So people are going into debt for a new car. They need transportation. Are they buying luxury cars or are they buying cheaper options? I mean, who knows what these people are buying? We know that the default level on, on automobile loans is way up. So people that are buying these cars are sometimes or often more, more, more than, than, than recent years defaulting on those things. Dishwashers, your dishwasher goes out. You need a dishwasher. How do we know these people haven't had dishwasher failures? Jewelry. Well, I mean, sure. So people are going to buy some jewelry at Christmas. They're going to try to do some things to take care of the people in their lives. But are they going into debt for this stuff is the question. People hate inflation, just not enough to spend less. This is one of the central tensions of today's economy, in which things are going great, yet everyone is miserable. And in some ways, Americans have nobody to blame but themselves. It's all your fault. Inflation is your fault. Now, listen how she... She describes what the cause of inflation is here. Three years ago, the pandemic gnarled supply chains around the world, leading to shortages of many consumer goods. At the same time, the American government transferred roughly $1.8 trillion to households in the form of generous unemployment insurance benefits and amped up child tax credits, stimulus checks, and delayed or foreign uh, student loan payments. Forgiven, I'm sorry, student loan payments. Less supply, more demand. It was a recipe for higher costs. You see, that's what happened. Inflation was driven by the pandemic. It wasn't the $1.8 trillion that got created out of thin air and pumped into the economy. It wasn't that at all. It was supply and demand. Costs really rose. A dozen eggs went from for $133 the summer after the pandemic hit. The price topped out at $483 last winter. Gas prices nearly tripled. Used cars started trading for as much or as even more than new cars. The cost of leasing an apartment surged. The cost of buying a house went up even more. Now, why would the cost of buying a house go up? There are several things working on that. One is that, yes, people were staying home, and so they were trying to get homes with offices in them and things like that. But the other thing, of course, is low interest rates. And so when interest rates are really low, well, you can see higher prices of houses. More recently, prices have been driven up more slowly by the strong labor market. The unemployment rate is as low as it ever gets and has been for some time, with labor shortages in a number of sectors. Air traffic control, education, retail, trucking, police and public safety. Why is it police and public safety? Nursing, plumbing, and electric. The tight labor market has forced employers to pay workers more, boosting wages, particularly at the lower end of the income spectrum. Real hourly earnings for workers in the 10th percentile of wage distribution went up more than 8% in the past three and a half years. Average wages have grown faster than average prices. Sticker shock is real, and in surveys, people say they are trending, trading down because of cost pressures, but in fact, they are spending more than they ever have, even after accounting for higher prices. They're spending not just on necessities, but on fun stuff, amusement parks, Uber Eats. People just have a lot of money on hand. More broadly, they seem to be less likely to change their purchasing habits in response to hot price shifts, even when budgets are leaner. A raft of recent studies have found that American consumers have been 
become less price sensitive in recent decades. Households are using fewer coupons. People are spending less time mulling over what to buy when they're shopping. Why? Maybe because although prices for many consumer goods are higher than they were a few years back, they're still much, much more affordable than they were a few decades ago, thanks to globalized trade and manufacturing advantages. But you see, it's, but it's really your thought. Another theory, she says, it's not that. Consumers might have become more brand loyal, less willing to trade Coke for Squirt or Nike for Skechers. That's it. You see, people want to blame Joe Biden for their bill, she says. They want to accuse stores of gouging them. The strange truth is that most people really are in a more comfortable position, even if they're not happy about it. It's not like a weak economy, stagnant wages, crummy consumer spending, and cheaper stuff will be better after all. But it's really your fault. You know, this whole idea of the economy stinks is all perception. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. You're driving up prices. You're still buying stuff. And because of that, prices, because you're more brand loyal, because you're going to buy Nikes, well, then Nike's never going to lower their price. Because you're going to go out and buy Coke, Coke is never going to lower its price. You see, it's all your fault. You know where else is your fault? Well, foreign policy. This is Ron Paul writing at LewRockwell.com. Over the weekend, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin explained to the American people what's really long with U.S. foreign policy. Some might find his conclusions surprising. The U.S. standing in the world is damaged not because we spent 20 years fighting an Afghan government that had nothing to do with the attacks on 9-11. The problem has nothing to do with the neocon lies about Iraq's weapons of mass destruction that led untold civilian deaths in another failed democratization mission. It's not because over the past 22 years, Washington has taken more than $150 billion from the American people to fight a proxy war with Russia through Ukraine. It's not the military-industrial complex or its massive lobbying power that extends throughout Congress, the think tanks, and the media. No. No. It's not all that. Speaking at the Reagan National Defense Forum in California's Semi Valley, Austin finally explained the real danger to the U.S. global military empire. It's us. You see, so it's not all the money that's pumped in the economy that's causing inflation. It's not massive government spending. It's not printing money. It's not fraction reserve banking. It's none of that. What's really causing it is you deciding to buy Nikes. And what's really causing the decline in American standing in the world is you because you don't favor American interventionism. You see, you are the deplorables. This is all by design. I have to emphasize this. This is the same kind of thing that was happening in the 1850s. The real issue behind everything were people that were being dehumanized. Southerners were no longer people with thoughts and ideas that you had to address. No, they weren't. What they were were subhumans. And here, you're deplorable. You see, you're deplorable with bad thoughts, the wrong things to say. And when you attach all this to John C. Calhoun or Jefferson Davis or the Confederacy or Robert E. Lee, whatever they want to do, you see, that's the goal. They're just operating on the 1850s Republican Party playbook. You are the problem. You have wrong thoughts. And if you have wrong thoughts, well, then you need to be corrected. It's, it's, I mean, inflation is not Joe Biden's fault. It's not the Democrats' fault. It's not the Congress's fault. Look, we can go back and say it's Donald Trump was as much responsible for this as anyone else. 
The Congress is pumping money in the economy when, when Trump was still president. Right? So it's not, the, it's not the federal government's fault. We'll just say it's the federal government. What they're worried about is blaming Joe Biden. They're blaming the Democrats. When the blame should be spread out throughout the entire political class. I mean, the Republicans and the Democrats. As I said, the establishment. It's there. These people are circling the wagons. Because if you don't like the way things have gone in Washington, D.C. for two decades or longer. I mean, we, Paul's just looking at the last 20 years. We could stretch this back for decades. If you don't like the way the Lincolnian myth has gone, well, then you are the problem. You're just Jefferson Davis. You're just John C. Calhoun. And we know those people were evil. It's a logical, it's simple, basic, logical fallacy. It's it's a it's it's a use of logic that's that's um, incorrect. It's 101, right? Logic 101 here. You're not really addressing the points. You're just calling people names. Donald Trump is an insurrectionist, so he's Jefferson Davis. But was he really an insurrectionist? Even when these cases are all dismissed in court, which I mean, now they're complaining, "Oh my gosh, the president has him. I mean, he can't be held accountable. Well, maybe because all these things are kangaroo court charges that most people wouldn't be convicted of anyways. Maybe that's the issue. But you see, it's always you. If you support Trump or you support anything that, I mean, look, as I said, Trump is as much as a problem as anybody else. But if you support Trump, which they don't like, then you're deplorable. You are uh, someone who can't be trusted. You have wrong think. If you don't support the American empire, you're bad. If you don't support Lincolnian America, you're bad. And even the, the, the Republicans think this stuff too. So it's not just on the left. It's the establishment. According to Secretary Austin, non-interventionists who advocate an American retreat from responsibility are the ones destabilizing the world, not endless neocon wars. Austin said the U.S. must continue to play the role of global military Hegemon, policemen of the world, because the world will only become more dangerous if tyrants and terrorists believe that they can get away with wholesale aggression and mass slaughter. So the only way we do this is to play the world policeman. The only way we make the world safer is to destabilize the world. How's that for reason and logic? Austin and the interventionist elites have fact-checked 30 years of foreign policy failures and concluded, well, it would have been far worse if the non-interventionists were in charge. If we weren't the, if if we weren't around there, bulldozing the world, blowing everything up, it would have been worse. That's their position. If we hadn't pumped 1.8 trillion dollars in the economy, it would have been worse. Imagine what inflation would have been. Imagine what it would be if we hadn't done X, Y, and Z. You see, Paul says this is one of the biggest problems with the neocons. They are incapable of self-reflection. There's no accountability to these people. There's no accountability to anybody that's messed up the economy, that's caused the problem. Now they have to come in and fix it. This is, this is what government does. It causes problems, then it says it has to fix the problem, which creates more problems. There's no accountability. It's not self-reflection. It's un these people are unaccountable. No one holds them accountable. No one tells Jill Lepore, who's writing this ridiculous piece at 
uh, the New York Magazine on Donald Trump and Jefferson Davis, that her position is, is ridiculous. Now, of course, she is an award-winning historian. You cannot challenge Jill Lepore. You cannot challenge these establishment historians because if you do that, well, uh, they, uh, they are beyond reproach. You can't say these things. But the problem is not, not you, it's them. Paul says, each time the U.S. government follows their advice into another catastrophe, it's always someone else's fault. In this case, as Austin tells us, those at fault for U.S. foreign policy misadventures are the people who say, don't do it. It's, it's all your fault. It's all your fault if you said we shouldn't have gone into Iraq or we shouldn't have gone and fought in Afghanistan. That's your fault. It's all your fault if you said maybe we shouldn't inflate the economy with $1.8 trillion. It's your fault. Because you said we shouldn't do it, so we did it, and now it's your fault. Because people are still spending money. I mean, it's all your fault. You, you, you people are buying jewelry. It's your fault. All of this angst in America, it's all your fault. We didn't do anything. We were just trying to help people. You're the ones because you've said no to this stuff, because you are being obstacles or creating a lot of people who don't like what we're doing. It's your fault. If you would just get on board, everything would be good. You see? For simply raising a, a, a red flag or a roadblock. It's your fault. What would have happened if the people who said don't do it were in charge of President Obama's decision to prop up al-Qaeda to overthrow Syria's secular leader Assad? How about if the don't-do-it people were in charge when the neocons manufactured a human rights justification to destroy Libya? What if the don't-do-it people were in charge when Obama's neocons thought it would be a great idea to overthrow Ukraine's democratically elected government? What if? <laughs> Those are good questions. But no, no, no. Those things would have all been bad. You see? Because you're not on board with the Lincolnian objective. Centralization of power, destruction of state power, foisting the American empire on the rest of the world. If you're not in favor of that, you are wrong, think, and you're just Jefferson Davis and John C. Calhoun. I mean, the terms have no substance, but they got to find some boogeyman to call you. You know, Jill Lepore, you're just Jefferson Davis. Eventually, they'll come back to Calhoun. Right now, it's Jefferson Davis because of the 14th Amendment because of insurrection and treason. It's got to be Jefferson Davis. It's got to be these Confederates. You see, the problem is the Confederacy runs America, supposedly. When in reality, it's the Lincoln myth that runs America, and they got to have a foil. And if you can say people are deplorables, Jefferson Davis, you know, whatever, John C. Calhoun, Robert E. Lee, whatever it is, Alexander Stevens, if you can just call them those names, well, then you can't be these people because they're bad. Would tyrants and terrorists have gained power if Washington did not get involved? No. Tyrants and terrorists got the upper hand because Washington intervened in these crises. So again, would inflation have been so bad if Washington didn't spend $1.8 trillion? No. It wouldn't. At all. Would inflation have been so bad if the government... See, the other thing in that piece doesn't mention that governments forced the shutdown of the United States. Would it have been so bad? No. 
As Austin further explained, part of the problem with the U.S. is democracy itself. Our competitors don't have to operate under continuing resolutions, he complained. What a burden it is for him that the people, through the representatives, are in charge of war spending. <laughs> you see, Lloyd Austin doesn't like it that uh, Congress controls the purse strings, that the military could just have an unlimited budget. We could just do all this stuff. And Congress, America first, foreign policy sentiment is on the rise among conservatives, and that infuriates Austin and his ilk. He wants more billions for wars in Ukraine and Israel, and he wants it now. And then Paul says, in our economic problems, that's our fault too. Those who try to pull up the drawbridge, Austin said, undermine the security that has led to decades of prosperity. Prosperity, Paul says, has he looked at the national debt, inflation, destruction of the dollar? You see, this is now what's going to start happening. We're in, we're in campaign mode. Be ready for it. It happens all the time. But the real issues in America are not because all of the policies these people have followed for decades now. That's not the problem. You are the problem for opposing this stuff. You are gumming up the works. And if you don't stop, well then, what happened to Jefferson Davis? What happened to all these Confederates? Because that's just you. You're just a Confederate now. You're just one of these bad people. We know what happened to those people. Look, we're going to... We're going to try to take down Donald Trump because that is the symbol to them. Regardless of Trump's policies and whether he was very good on everything, but he is the symbol. He is the symbol. He is the person that has to take the weight for it. They go after Trump because he is the lightning rod for you in many ways. If they can take Trump down, they can take all of you down because you support him. Or maybe you don't support him. Maybe you did support him. It doesn't matter. But what Trump represents, even if in policy matters, he's not very different from them because he wasn't. But what he represents is the symbol of that. He is Jefferson Davis, John C. Calhoun, Robert E. Lee, all rolled into one. And he represents the deplorables, the people that don't like American interventionism, the people that don't like high inflation. They don't like unlimited spending. They don't like these things, even if Trump himself does. He represents the things they hate the most. He had called them out as being bad people, even if he continued to do the things. There's the there's this skit that uh, Dave Chappelle did on Trump. It was perfect because he said Trump is the first person, to, the first crook to walk out of the house and say everything that's happening in that house, all the stuff we're doing behind the scenes, all the organized crime, it's all real, it's all happening, and then he walks back into the house and continues to does it continues to do it, I'm sorry. He, he does it, but he lets you know it's all real. And so they hate him for it because he exposed it. What Trump has done is exposed all of the corruption in D.C., all of the kangaroo courts, all of the stuff. He's exposed it all. And because now you know about it, you're the problem. Paul is correct. All of this stuff is on a rise. America first foreign policy. People starting to question the Lincolnian Empire. People starting to question uh, the way that government spends and uses money. The way that government uh, artificially creates bubbles in the economy. People are starting to question this stuff. Well, is this really good? Are these things we should be doing? Now, it's not a large number of people. People are starting to say, we want out. We just talked about Texas secession, perhaps. 
people are starting to say these things and all the stuff that the Lincolnian myth was able to clamp down for years is starting to boil back to the top. All the real American stuff, self-determination, distrust of a fusion of government and finance capital, the American foreign policy that dominated the United States for the first, really, 80 years. I mean, you can't find... There's deviations. James K. Polk, of course, who, by the way, the establishment loves. But all that stuff that governed the United States for years is bubbling back to the surface, and they don't like it. Because for 150 years, they've, they've controlled the game. But if you're starting to win by challenging these things... Well, they're going to call you names. They're going to say it's all your fault if you would just figure out that actually you're better off today than you were a few years ago. You're really better off. You're spending more money. You're better off. You're more comfortable now. If you just would figure these things out, who cares about the price of eggs? You're still spending more money. Who cares about that stuff? You're still buying cars. You're still doing these things. Why does it matter? You're still driving around in your cars with your gas. Why does it matter? You see, it's all your fault. And that's the narrative that they're going to start pushing over and over again. And they're going to start using the boogeyman attachment. Again, Confederate leaders, Southern leaders, whatever it is, to call you bad names. Because that's all they really have. They can't run on the record themselves because their record is absolutely pathetic. What they can run on is name-calling and, and logic fallacies. That's what they can run on, and that's what they're going to do. And these pieces, I mean, the Paul piece points it out at the end and, and everything, but the Jill Lepore piece on Jefferson Davis and Donald Trump and how you know, Davis is Trump, these kind of things. If you support Trump, you're supporting Jefferson Davis, essentially. You're supporting the Confederacy. That's all they've got now. And that's the sad truth in modern American politics. See you next time on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.